The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And if you missed the Saturday night special this past weekend with my co-host, Kevin Smith, it's now available on my YouTube channel and on my Facebook Live. Uh, you're going to love the uh, barbaric technology that I used to get him on the air. I had no idea what I was doing, but I have figured something out since then. So future guests will not be as archaic as Kevin, but I bet you they'll be hard-pressed to be as good as Kevin. He was so entertaining as always. Such a great speaker, such a great guy. He answered a lot of questions, including uh, updates on Clerks 3 uh, and the sequel to Mallrats. I think it's Twilight of the Mallrats, maybe. He helped. Uh, also, we did a duet of Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer. I also talked about a few other things, including the fact that uh, I'm going to be in another one of his movies coming up soon. So it's very exciting. Uh, you can see all of that on YouTube uh, or on Facebook, uh, on Facebook, Chris Jericho, Facebook, Chris Jericho, YouTube uh, channel. And you can join me again this Saturday night for an all new episode of Saturday Night Special on Facebook Live and now on YouTube Live. That's 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So come check that out. And if you miss it, I get a lot of people saying it's too late here in, you know, Zimbabwe or whatever. That's fine. You can just watch it the next day on, on my Facebook page or on my YouTube channel. I'm uh, just trying to give you guys uh, something to be entertained by during the coronavirus and myself. Jeez, Kevin was, uh, he speaks so long, I got pretty loaded last week. So don't mind telling you guys we're doing this for all of you and to have some fun uh, along the way as we uh, continue our lockdown here from coronavirus. Uh, today, we're going to continue to do that because I've got someone who's going to give you some amazing advice on how to maintain your relationships, keep them healthy, keep them intact during this stay home I know we're all spending a lot more time with our spouses, partners, kids in confined spaces. Uh, and my personal therapist, Dr. Day Sheridan, has some good tips to help us along in this new normal. She'll help us deal with the stress and anxiety and uncertainty that the coronavirus is causing in our lives and offer some suggestions and exercises to help keep things at home and, and stay on the right path. So I'm going to turn it over to the amazing Dr. Day right here on Talk is Jericho. So in the midst of uh, the uh, coronavirus and all of the stay-at-home rules and the lockdowns and all that sort of stuff, there's been a lot of kind of funny memes and gifs and uh, even friends of mine saying, I can't take it anymore. I can't be stuck inside my house with my wife, girlfriend, whatever it may be. So I wanted to talk to uh, Dr. Day, who I've been working with for a few years now, and she's... Uh, 
an expert on these sorts of things about how to basically stay sane uh, during these times. Are you getting a lot of people wanting to talk to you uh, these days, a day about this sort of thing? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's new for all of us. And I think that a lot of people are under a microscope right now. So if things were going well before, maybe they're stressful now. Or if things people were struggling before, maybe they're finding a different way in thriving. So everybody is in a different boat. And so the advice and, and what I'm talking to people about is absolutely not one size fits all because some people are finding some peace and comfort and kind of this hunkering down and some people are going stir crazy and you know, the things that we struggled with before are really going to be magnified at this time. Right. And just to give a little background on you, you've been doing this for a long time and you wear a lot of different hats kind of in the, the, the therapist's field, but, but, but is, is it called relationship therapy? Like what, what exactly is your official title? So I am a licensed mental health counselor. I'm a board certified clinical sexologist and I'm a certified rehabilitation counselor and a professor at the University of South Florida. So I focus mainly on relationship with self and others, uh, working with people in my private practice, um, as well as doing, you know, things I, I blog, I write, I do media stuff as you know, and um, it's just about helping people to that peace and that comfort in themselves so that they can learn to communicate their needs to their intimate partners. Because I think that's what really kind of junks up the work sometimes is our not having confidence in ourselves to communicate what it is that we need and want and, and kind of fearing the response we might get. Did you, I mean, as soon as the, as the coronavirus started and, and they're slowly across state to state to state had the lockdowns. Did you see this coming and, and know like, oh my goodness, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have some issues with their relationships now? Absolutely. Because I think, you know, again, this is so new for everybody, but people had pre-existing conditions. Like you were already anxious, right? If you already struggled with any sort of anxiety or feelings of sadness or a disconnect in your relationship, this coming down and not knowing what is going to happen next, right? This loss of power and control that we have. So people were definitely reaching out to me more so and just saying, I need to touch base. I want to make sure that I'm doing the right things for myself and my family. And I just want to have some stability going into this because I fear what's going to happen next. Again, that fear of the unknown, I think is very, very common. And we need to be patient with ourselves and with our family members because nobody really knows what they're doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So what are some of the things that, that, that happen when, I mean, obviously, like you mentioned, this is never, this is a situation that no one's ever been in before, but what kind of, of I guess, symptoms of the relationships breaking down will start to happen um, just by proxy of being around each other so much in closed spaces? Right. So if you had any sort of unresolved anger or even resentment towards your partner during this time, that is going to, that's going to be a big deal because we are now faced with each other so consistently where maybe there was some escapism that was available to us previously. We were, we were off to work. We were traveling for work. We were, you know, doing 24-7 all of our kids' sports and their school. And, you know, it's really easy to stay disconnected um, or to avoid conflict when we have our very, very busy lives. So 
the things that we were avoidant about previously, there's nowhere to go. <laughs> there's, there's no, there's, there's nowhere to go, nowhere to hide. And so I think that we're trying to avoid each other. I mean, people are, you know, on social media constantly, they're watching the news constantly, they're finding reasons to go to the grocery store and hoard things. And we're all going to try to find our own special way to cope with this. And sometimes those coping strategies are not going to be adaptive to happiness in our household. So we have to just be mindful of the things that the patterns of behavior that, you know, are not so healthy for us to look and see, am I doing more of that stuff now because I'm feeling disconnected or because I'm feeling lonely or because this person's driving me nuts or, you know, am I doing more of that stuff or am I, you know, reaching out towards them and trying to make things a little bit better? Because again, there's nowhere to hide. Totally. Do you find that in cases like this, that, that people might push each other's buttons more, push their, their partner's buttons more just for basically something to do like out of boredom? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Because, you know, Chris, we know that if we, if you have children, you know, that any attention is better, you know, even negative attention is better than no attention. (laughs) So so we are, we are, we're picking fights. We're, you know, and it's also saying when we're doing those things and we're, when we're poking and picking at each other, it's also saying like when it's, not using the words, but it's saying, I'm scared. I need your attention. I'm feeling lonely. Help me feel better. You know, reach out to me. And if I'm not getting those things, or if I don't, again, have a confident working vocabulary to say to my partner or my spouse to say, you know, I really need you right now. I'm feeling super agitated, or I'm, I'm angry about all of this, or I'm frustrated, or, but having, you know, knowing how to find the words is going to be really important. But if we don't know how to do that, you know, that that takes a lot of practice in order to achieve mastery of those communication skills. Right. So what are, what are some of the things that you can do to, to alleviate that? So I think if we can be as honest as we can, I think that if, um, we can, first of all, we have to figure out in ourselves. And I I talk about what I call lumpy feelings. And if you have not been in a situation or if you were not raised in a household where talking about your feelings was encouraged and, you know, being able to resolve conflicts in healthy way, like, I don't know of anybody who, (laughs) who that, where that comes naturally or where that was completely rolled out in our family of origin in a healthy way. And we just got those skills from, you know, from, from osmosis and from birth. So we have to learn about this. We have to be able to um, figure it out. So first things first, I have to figure out what the hell am I feeling? What is it that's going on with me? Um, And let me name the feeling because, you know, we'll say things like, well, I'm pissed. I'm frustrated. Well, wait, Pissed and frustrated is, is, are lumpy feelings. There's so many things that are happening before you're, you get pissed or frustrated. You're feeling, uh, you're feeling angry or you're feeling sad or you're feeling nervous or you're feeling lonely or you're feeling not heard or undervalued, mm-hmm. underloved. So when that's happening to us, we, we just like lump it all together. That's scary to say to somebody, hey, I'm really feeling lonely and I need you. Like that we're losing power. We feel weak. We don't like that. You know, we don't like feeling that way. So we have to toughen up. And so we say, I'm pissed or you, you know, I'm really frustrated or angry right now when it's really, you may be feeling sad. You may be feeling stuck. You may be feeling worried about everything that's going on. So identifying what you're really feeling and you don't tell anybody that just yet. You don't have to share, you know, if that's feeling 
vulnerable or scary, you could just, you can write about it. You can um, just start to think about it for yourself, what you really are feeling so that you can express that to somebody who you love. You know, you live there with that person or you're married to them because at some point you fell in love and decided this was a good idea. <laughs> so, so let's try to tap into that. Well, and I think, I mean, and once again, you're bringing up so many interesting points. I think even just the fact you mentioned being scared. I mean, like you said, being pissed and, and angry and that sort of thing. But being scared seems like it would be a, quite a, a big emotion to deal with because this is a scary, very uncertain time. So I can see even for myself, I know I'm snapping sometimes at my wife and, and a little bit at my kids as well. And uh, is some of that maybe because of the fear of the unknown, so to speak? Yeah. And and. And we're so in we're so in control of our worlds these days, right? There's such a premium placed on that of being, you know, in control and and in, having power over our situations and managing our world, what from our households to our jobs to the way we raise our kids, and we pride ourselves in that. Like as Americans, that's you know that's what we do, and to so to feel suddenly so powerless and so out of control is scary. And when we, when we haven't experienced that recently, we don't know what to do with it. Another thing, Chris, is that this can be very triggering for people who felt very out of control as kids, because here it is, you've healed, maybe you've healed through some of your trauma in childhood of abandonment or being left alone or feeling feeling powerless or you know just not feeling taken care of or you don't know what's happening next so all of these feelings that we're feeling right now if you had any sort of negative experiences in childhood whether we can identify it or whether it is top of mind or conscious or not it's going to be stirring up those feelings of uncertainty that scared us before and so we've learned to adapt to that. And we've learned to take control of our circumstances as adults. But right now, a lot of what's happening can bring us right back to those very vulnerable and scary times. So we have to be able to remind ourselves and ground ourselves in a way to show ourselves, you know what, this is not then. I'm in my home. I am safe. You know, and how can I how can I help my brain remember that this may seem alike or similar, but it's not the same. I am, you know, I'm a grown up. I'm not this scared little kid. I have resources. I have support systems. And how can I tap into that? Because this can be very triggering for a lot of people and without, without our consent and without our knowledge. You know, it's interesting what you just said, because um, it, 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 the, the, the basic premise of method acting uh, is you kind of drop into feelings that you had from the past. For example, if you're playing a character who's, I don't know, feeling abandoned, and you can go back to a time when maybe you were uh, lost in a in a department store and you couldn't find your mom, you know, and going back to that feeling of like scared, terrified, uh, abandonment, and you bring that up to use with your character. So you're saying that this can happen just in real life in general, if you had these feelings of abandonment uh, and now you would feel them in real life the same way that an actor would try and bring that out to, to put towards a performance. Yes, exactly. So we're, you know, if you're doing, if you're acting and you're conjuring that up using method, you are choosing to do that. 
And you are, again, you're the one in power and control of utilizing those emotions and that psychological, those memories and those psycho-emotional states, and you're using them to your benefit. So that's, again, that's with your consent, you're choosing that. But the same things can happen. And this happens all the time. You know, when we are in our relationships, I always say that we come into relationships with a backpack full of crap that, you know, we, it's, we just carry it around and, you know, little by little, maybe we release things from it, but the stuff that we carry around from our lives, we're bringing into our relationships. And sometimes somebody can do something or say something and we react in a way that is not commensurate with what just happened. And that's when I always say we're fighting with ghosts, like the things from our past are coming up for us and they feel very real to us as if the other person is is doing that. But sometimes it's our just our old stuff coming up and we don't consent to that. You know, we don't, we're not looking for that to happen. And sometimes we don't even recognize that. We just feel like this person has made me so angry, you know, with what they did or what they said. And it's important to say, you know, is this tying back to something because I shouldn't be so upset about this or I should, you know, I should have feelings about it, but the way that I lost it was just out, you know, outer limits from what really just happened. So yeah, this, these things happen all the time and uh, trying to be mindful of it or recognizing that it's even possible is really crucial. Hmm, yeah. You just made another good point about being mindful of it. You know, um, I think a lot of times you might not be thinking what you're saying or doing, but is this something that we have to be more cognizant of, when we are stuck in, in inside, so to speak, be more mindful of, of your actions and how you're acting and reacting? I think so. I think this is an amazing time for us to reflect and to reset some things that maybe we weren't doing so well. Um, the things that, again, th- maybe things that we have been avoidant of. So giving ourselves the, the patience and the time to say, what could I be doing better? Or to say, wow, I, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I'm projecting, you know, in my world, whether it's when I'm at work or whether I'm at home with my kids that may not have to do, it may be my, my own stuff and it may not have to do with the external world. And so now that I'm thinking about this more, cause I've got lots of time on my hands to do that, mm-hmm. to, use, to, to use that mindfulness. And like I said before, you know, being present, you know, remind grounding yourself and reminding yourself of where you are today, looking around your space and your room to remind yourself that you're safe, that it may feel incredibly scary, the unknown, the powerlessness, the helplessness. However, if you look around, you can say, really, the only thing I'm doing right now is I'm sitting on my couch watching my kids doing their homework. You know, the only thing that's happening to me right now is I'm cooking dinner or I'm having a conversation with my husband or, you know, trying not to project too far into the future. There's a lot of stuff that happens when we are not present and we're not being mindful. A ton of, you know, anxiety is created by fretting about things that we have no control over that haven't happened yet. And feeling depressed and sad when we look backwards and we can't control for or change things that have happened in the past. But if you're present, the what you're dealing with is what's right in front of you. And a lot of times what's shown is that if we are mindful, we can see that we're safe and that things that happened before are not currently happening to us. And things that we're fretting about or worried about for the future are also not happening to us currently. And to try to not work ourselves up 
over things that were either in the past or in the future. So you're really uh, a strong proponent of, of living in the now, living in the moment, so to speak. Yes. It's one of our most powerful tools to stay emotionally and mentally healthy because we can get, I mean, woo, we can talk ourselves into or out of anything, right? So we can, we can get ourselves all worked up over something that we are imagining that is happening or that we think somebody else thinks is happening. Or so if we are doing that dance and getting sucked into what I call the vortex of that critical self-talk or negative thinking about our situations or ruminations going over and over and over the conversation that we had and what we should have said or how angry we are over something. If you're doing that, you're not being present. And we can create a lot of stress and a lot of tumult in our world and uh, when we're doing that to ourselves. And sometimes we, we need to be reminded to, to, you know, to snap out of it, to get present and to look around and really ground yourself with some, with some mindfulness techniques. And it seems that's something, uh, another tool, not just for relationship, but even for kind of the uncertainty right now with so many people out of work, uh, what's going to happen, you know, when are we going to get to go back to work? When are we going to get out of the house? So it's, right. it's very important to, to not be so worried about that at this point. It, it doesn't do us any good. That's the thing. It's, it's not going, we can, we can be upset and we can, we can ruminate and overthink all of these things. I think what people need to do is find a way uh, to deal with their own individual circumstances in a way that helps them feel like they have some semblance of control, right? So um, if I've been furloughed or laid off to understand what the new um, circumstances are for unemployment, right? You know, what do, what do I need to know about my stimulus check? Doing the research to manage for things that are actually happening and, and crossing bridges when you get there because trying to forecast can really create a lot of stress. And when we're under stress, Chris, we're not making great decisions. Our brain chemistry is altered and we're not able to think as clearly when we're really anxious or when we're stressed. And so if we're able to take control of the things that we can, right? Making, making masks, um, you know, seeing what you could do to find extra toilet paper, you know, helping, helping a neighbor in need, just really controlling for things that you can control for, um, helping us feel like we do have some semblance of power in this really uncertain time can even just a little bit can help you feel more stable and more grounded in the present. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For like, you know, for myself, I'm an only child and, you know, I like my alone time. It's hard to get it. Let me rephrase that. So when I'm working, obviously, if I'm flying somewhere or, you know, outside of the house, I'm able to kind of just, you know, uh, internalize and just, you know, be, be cool, so to speak. It's hard to mm-hmm. do that. I mean, if you live in a bigger house, it's a little bit easier, but if you live in a smaller house, What's your advice for people that need this alone time 
and aren't able to get it as much now. Right. It's so funny because there's so much, um, you know, all the memes and things going on social media is talking about like, you know, the check on your extroverts cause they're not okay. You know, like we want, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's me. I'm like, always have people at the house, always doing things, always seeing friends, like always getting my energy from, you know, the love and support and, and giving love and support people around me. And it's, it's hard, but in the, but on the, on the flip side of that, the introverts who are used to having quiet and alone time and, and peace and needing that recharging who are now in the house 24 seven with their family members, with their spouses, um, that, that's just as difficult. Mm. So I think that again, when we talked about communication earlier on, this is one of the, the biggest, you know, best ways to start that communication is like, what are our new family rules. Like let's set some loving ground rules about what everybody feels like they need, you know, in terms of, uh, quality time together in terms of, in terms of space from one another, uh, in terms of, you know, regrouping and recharging or saying, you know, I being able to set a boundary and saying, I love you. I adore you, but I, I need some time to just sit and read my book or, you know, like having family office hours and then having time where you do get to be on your own. Okay. Um, so how would you, you're a big proponent of not um, telling people what to do, but what what type of techniques mm-hmm. would you recommend to people in order to carry some of that out? That's funny. Not a proponent of telling people what to do. Well, what do you think you should do, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Is there some exercises that you would suggest, for example, for a couple? Or? Absolutely. So I love, um, I call it the, the marriage conference or the relationship conference, and it gives you the opportunity to sit and to be heard and to hear what your partner is saying. So you take one person talks and it is for a half hour, yes, 30 solid minutes of, you know, uninterrupted by the other person talking about what's going on, what you feel like you need. Um, Again, setting boundaries, setting ground rules, and also asking to get your needs met. And you speak for a half hour. The other person, there's no response. There's no rebuttal. There is no um, questioning. The other person can take notes while you're talking, um, but then they're going to have the opportunity once, let's say, 12 to 24 hours. The next day, you're going to sleep on it. The next day, once 12 to 24 hours has elapsed, then the person who is the listener previously is now going to talk for a half hour. And the beauty of this is that all of, you know, all of us are reasonably intelligent. And when we are talking with someone, we're not just listening. We're actually doing a terrible job of listening because we're trying to formulate our, you know, our argument, or we're trying to formulate our next, you know, even just to sound witty when the other person is finished talking. So we're in our heads a lot and we're looking for what we would do to respond, especially if there's been a conflict, you know, I'm just waiting for your face hole to stop moving so that I can zing you. I'm formulating my argument against you so that I can be right. And so the, the marriage conference, what it does is it gives the listener the opportunity to just sit there, shut up, and, and be an active listener to my partner. And then again, while things are coming up for me, as if I would have jumped on you and said, you know, and come right back at you during that time, I'm not allowed to do that. 
but then I have to wait. And when it's my turn to talk, the cream will rise to the top. So if something, if I was wanting to say my piece when you were talking, then I'm going to bring it up when it's my turn, when it's my half hour. But a lot of times people find the things that they would have jumped on in the moment aren't as relevant or they don't care as much to bring it up because they want to be heard in their own way. They want to share what they need. They want to share, you know, what they've been struggling with or, you know, what their thoughts are rather than always being, you know, responding, responding, having a rebuttal, you know, questioning, challenging. It's, it's really gives each person the opportunity to be heard um, and to show the other person, Hey, I'm listening to you. I'm here. Uh, and it also frees up a lot of time because what's said in the marriage conference stays in the marriage conference and you can go on living your lives because there were things that you got out in a low stress, low conflict environment that you may not have been able to do before. Once again, very interesting. And it's, it's, it's something kind of comparable in a way to, to wrestling younger guys and girls when they first start they're constantly thinking of the next high spot and the next move and the next thing that's going to happen rather than worrying about what's going on right in the moment and when worrying about what's going on right at that time frame and when you can finally figure that out you always have better matches because you're not thinking about what just happened or what is going to happen you're thinking about what is happening in, in in this exact you know moment that we're talking so um that's a great way to run a conversation as well is what you're saying. Yeah. And it helps us avoid that helicoptering or that spectatoring. I loved your example because if you're not in the moment, you're wondering, how do I look? How is my body positioned? You know, mm-hmm. what, you know, what can I do next? How can I be seen? And then you're going to get punched in the face <laughs> because right, you're not paying right. attention to what's in front of you. And so the same thing happens here. If we're, if we're, you know, always trying to position ourselves to win rather than being open to the process and really wanting to hear and understand what our partner needs from us or, or maybe what their complaints are about us. I mean, everybody's got complaints about their spouse or their, you know, their boyfriend or their girlfriends They're That's normal. But when we're in our own heads and we're just like going over and over and over all the things that we're dissatisfied about, but we don't offer the opportunity to let the other person know we do two things. We rob ourselves of the opportunity to be heard and to feel heard, but we also rob our partner to rise up and meet those needs. I think especially, you know, definitely we've discussed it. When you're in a long-term love relationship, we're more likely to say, ugh, I'm not even going to bother. I know what they're going to say. I know what they're going to do. Instead of saying, hey, this is what I need. Um, hey, can we sit down and talk about this? Uh, where your partner can actually you know, rise up, meet your needs and show you how loved that you are. But when we, when we just kind of decide for ourselves that they're no good, they're not going to help us. They're just going to do what they always did. Then we'll never know. You're right. You're going to get exactly what you thought you'd get. What did you mean when you said the term helicoptering? So helicoptering is, um, uh, is when you're kind of watching yourself from above rather than being invested and attuned to what you are either emotionally or physically doing. Um, you know, so some of, some of the work that I do, I teach human sexuality at USF. And so this comes into play a lot with anxiety having to do with intimate relationships is always is kind of worried about more of how you are doing something, what you are looking like, how you are performing versus being in the moment and giving and receiving a good time. And so when you're, when you're, I would say, obsessively critical of yourself and looking at what you're doing and how what you're doing is going to try to affect the other person, 
um, that's kind of that spectatoring or, or helicoptering. It's it's the opposite of being in the moment. It's the opposite of of mindfulness and being with someone in that conversation or in that intimate moment. Hmm. I guess uh, how do you, would you suggest? You know, we're talking about how to kind of to talk and 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 keep things kind of cool with your spouse. How do you do the same with your kids? Because obviously now we're seeing a lot more of our kids. Everybody's at home. Everyone's doing school at home. Um, what advice do you have for that? I think the biggest piece of advice that I can offer is patience, 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 grace, and patience. <laughs> <laughs> we, unless, unless if you've been doing, if you are a homeschool parent, right? We are not homeschooling our parent right homeschooling our children right now we are our kids are having to do school at home because we're in a crisis right that's something that so we can't pretend that all of a sudden we have the skills and the tools available at our fingertips to understand all of the technology all of the different websites everything that's going on nor can we expect to have our kids you know be on top of everything their schedules are all off you know they're missing their friends there are so many things that um you know for us as well as parents but for our kids that are you know, they're, they're missing out on their sports. They're missing out on graduations and proms. And, you know, my son was supposed to get his driver's license this week and the DMV is closed. You know, there's just so many things that are painful and just that generally suck that, you know, we're just having to deal with. So anything that we can do to alleviate stress for our kids, you know, if we are worried about, our jobs, or if we're worried about things that are going on with our homes or finances and things like that, uh, it's important to keep adult situations, adult and, and conversations that need to be adult, things that have to do with the family, things that um, the kids are a part of that we can help to give them a little bit more control and power over the situation, you know, like rearranging their rooms or setting up their desks the way they want or talking to them about their technology and, you know, how things are going with their friendships, you know, helping them to feel like they, just like I was saying before, for us, helping them to have just a tiny bit of control and a little bit of power over the situation that feels super powerless and helpless. Um, you know, and giving them more responsibility. I think it's it's great to say, okay, now you know how this household runs. The dishwasher doesn't empty itself. <laughs> now, right. like, now you're now you're home. Everybody's home together. Now you see all the work that goes into keeping this thing running, and we all have to work together. And I think just going back to basics, like old school, doing game nights, you know, playing cards, you know. But same thing goes for you know when you need space from each other to not not feel like, okay, we're home. That means we are going to do everything as a family and we're going to, you know, do crafts together and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. It's like, it's cool if you want to text each other from the other room and like, you know, watch Netflix and, you know, whatever feels good to you. And each day is brand new. You could do things differently every single day um, because, you know, it's Groundhog Day. So we have to to help ourselves to uh, shake it up a little bit. But I think, you know, anything that's really super stressful and super emotional as an adult and as a parent, um, I think that we, you know, as much as we want for our children to empathize with us and to know that, hey, everything's not perfect and easy, but that we've got it, um, you know, we don't want to stress them out unnecessarily. So leaving adult matters, you know, between the adults, but also helping being very acknowledging of their feelings of sadness, of isolation, 
of um, of worry and you know finding resources. There's so many great um, you know articles online. There's you know obviously talking to your therapist, um, getting advice uh, about how to alleviate some of our children's anxiety about what's going on. Um, and then some of them are just, you know, they're handling it like champs and they're, they're, they're comfortable and they're happy and they're, you know, playing video games and, you know, doing their, their thing that they were doing. And, and sometimes we'll see that even if we, they look like they're doing it just with like, just like us look like they're going along and doing okay for a little bit. And then they lose it. You know, it's like the milk spills and there are the tears and the, the anger and, and because it's really was never about that anyway. It's just about that we've been stuffing our feelings down pretending like everything's okay. And then it's, you're always going to blow when that happens. So it's really about eking out our emotions and being honest about how we're feeling. That's going to help us from, from kind of having those breakdowns. And that does happen quite often. And I think it's something to, to kind of focus on for a few seconds for people that might not realize it. When you mentioned when the milk spills and, and the explosion comes or, you know, geez, I can't believe all I did was, you know, I, 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 I didn't make the coffee quick enough. My wife flipped out on me. It's usually more than that leading up to something seemingly little that was just a combination of a bunch of stuff boiling over. Yes. Yes. I always say this, you know, the wet towel or the socks on the floor are never about the wet towel or the socks on the floor. <laughs> it's, always, <laughs> it's always a sign, a symbol, a symptom of something else going on in our worlds, whether we're not feeling loved, we're not feeling respected. Um, you know, we're, we're angry or we're anxious about other aspects of our lives. And when we project it onto our partners because, and we do that, Chris, because that's where we feel safest, right? Which is it's a terrible, it's a terrible situation, but we usually like, <laughs> we usually let it loose on the people that we love the most because we know they're not going anywhere and we feel really safe. So that ugliness or that pain that we're experiencing, we're more apt to kind of let that out on the people that we trust and feel safe with. But, you know, we want to make sure that we're not taking advantage of that and, and not, you know, being more mindful of that and apologizing for, you know, losing our tempers or projecting our anger or upset or, 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 you know, our nervousness onto the other person. It's just tensions are running so high right now and we have to do what we can to, you know, release the pressure valve. And so finding ways for each person to say, okay, what can I do to alleviate a little stress? Whether it's, you know, running on the treadmill, whether it's reading a book and getting the heck away from everybody, right. you know, with talking about our feelings, whether it's saying, I don't want to talk about my feelings right now, like that's stressing me out to just try to be as honest as we can. And just to have such patience for each other. Like we're all a mess, right? Like mm -hmm. <laughs> we're, even when we know all the right things to do and to say and to feel and to, you can have all the skills and tools in your tool belt. And right now it's like, it's just, it's, it's not, you know, it's not going to be perfect, you know, and we're all going to have our weak points. And the best thing that we could do is reach our hand out to our partner and just say, uh, help me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a mess right now. I need a hug, you know, or you just, you know, that these are the things that we have to just kind of resign ourselves and say, this is a whole new world. And we have to allow ourselves the strongest thing that we can do right now is to allow ourselves to be more vulnerable in our homes with our people. How do you mean to be more vulnerable? Because I think the tendency, especially for for a guy like myself, is is to be stronger and and to you know be tough as nails and that sort of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> we also know 
we also know where that gets you, right? <laughs> so, where, where does it get you? It get it gets you um, closed off. It gets you, uh, you know, not able to. It, it built up anger and resentment and feelings of of hurt. And it doesn't matter how tough any of us are. We all want to feel loved, appreciated, encouraged, affirmed, valued. Feel like we're worthy and worthwhile in our relationships. And so when we mask all of that with our like just I'm going to protect and that's that's my only job like there's just that doesn't it's not going to work like you have we have to be um try to be a little bit more vulnerable with our feelings and be honest if we're hurting or if we're feeling helpless or hopeless or if we're feeling like I said isolated and missing our people and missing work and you know for so many you you know especially for I don't want to be sexist but on the bell curve you know men alike with women, but a lot of men, their identity is completely um, a part of being a provider and going to work. And their identity is about their um, their job and who they are and, and, you know, that identity. And if that's been taken away from you, your, your sense of self, your self-esteem, your self-worth is going to be, um, you know, is going to be limited. You're going to have uh, a response to that that maybe you didn't expect. And so talking through that and not just stuffing it, because the more you stuff your feelings, the more thing, the more you're going to have a blow up about the coffee or about, you know, the towel on the floor or, you know, the kids not, you know, putting their backpacks up or whatever. It's, you know, that stuff, when we don't acknowledge it in the moment are things that really just weigh on us. Um, and, you, you know, you hopefully you've got somebody in your house that loves you through it and wants you to, wants to talk about how you're feeling about, you know, not being able to travel for work or, you know, losing your job or just things having to change or not feeling as, you know, as you're able to provide as much as you were. And, um, you know, so I think that for, you know, as you asked about for men, like what that means to be vulnerable when you're so used to being the tough guy and, and being the one who has all the answers and providing is just being a little softer and allowing for, in this allowing yourself to receive love, not just to give love, not just to send it out and to do the things for other people. But right now we all have to be able to receive what's coming in because we're, when we're trying to gain control, we also shut ourselves off. We close ourselves off and say, I got it. I got it. And we push people away when we need them the most, when we need to say, I, you know what? I, I don't got it. And I need your help. You know, you know, like receiving that bid for attention and receiving that love that's coming your way is going to be really important during this time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. How important is it, you mentioned before about getting some uh, aggression out, how important is is physical activity uh, to not just keeping your body tight, but also to to clearing your mind uh, of everything? Um, it depends on if that's your thing or not, right? So there's two, there's different schools of thought on that, that some people 
they use um, physical activity and it's the greatest stress reliever and they depend on that and they love the endorphins and the adrenaline that gets pumped from, from doing that. But if you um, are, if that's not your thing and you try to be more physically aggressive or, you know, let your feelings out in certain ways um, that may increase your agitation you know, or it may, you know, it may increase your anxiety, you know, yeah, sometimes yeah. they like it goes, yeah, for some people, it, it really depends on your, your own brain chemistry and what works for you. I think look to the past to see, because sometimes like even the old, you know, old, uh, old timey therapists, you know, like yell into a pillow, you know, to, to get your <laughs> anger out. Right. And for some people, action of that actually agitates them further and makes them think about what they're angry about and kind of get stuck in what they're angry about. But for some people, they do it, it gets out and it's good. So it, it really depends on you. If you, if getting things out physically is helpful to you, um, then use that. If journaling or writing things out works for you, then use that. If talking to your best friend, talking to your mom or dad, talking to your spouse or your partner, if that works for you, then use that. I want anything that you know to look for, look, look at the past and see what's worked for you before. And I want you to tap into that. And then I want you to multiply it. That's what I think we, we all need to look at what works for me. I know that going for a run always makes it resets my brain. It makes me feel healthy. It makes me feel in control of my body. And I love that. So do like, look at that, say, I'm gonna, I need, and multiply it by making a commitment to yourself. I'm going to do that every day. I'm going to make sure that I um, tap into this thing that is healing for me and helps me feel more in control of myself and my body. You know, whatever, whatever that might be. Some people are, I mean, I, this is certainly not me, but some people are artists and do these, you know, and paint and sculpt and do these beautiful things. And, um, I love of doing things for other people, assuring that, you know, your neighbors are, are healthy and safe, checking in and see if anybody needs anything, calling, um, texting, sending emails, sending little cards uh, to people who, you know, may be um, disconnected from you right now or maybe feeling lonely. It's about tapping into like, hmm, what feels good to me, you know, and things that are in healthy ways because we also don't want to overdo. This is a time where we're separated from everybody. It's Groundhog Day. You know, what time, what time do the cocktails start flowing? Right. <laughs> you know, it's just like, so we're also, some people are overdoing. Sometimes they're overdoing their workouts. They're overdoing their cocktail hours. They're overdoing their, you know, whatever it might be, trying to gain control of things. So it's really all about looking at balance as well. Well, I mean, you just, once again, I think uh, I'm guilty of all those things because there's really... You know, I'm doing everything I can to keep busy, and you know how I am. I'm a fairly busy person anyway, so lots of podcasting. And like anybody that ever wanted an interview with me now that couldn't get one is like full on, just give me something to do and something to talk about. Um, hey. <laughs> no, I'm talking about pe other people calling me. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> no, no, we want, we, we need your advice at this point in time. But but I even started a, a live Facebook chat on Saturday nights and and that sort of thing, just trying to keep as busy as possible to kind yeah. of keep my mind sharp, I guess. Yeah, and that's and you know I was thinking about that, asking you, you know, what's worked for you because you your your lifestyle, your travel, your the energy that you have to expend on a daily basis, like. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and we, we just, I mean, we were still working, doing empty 
empty arena shows for for AEW. Yeah. And then uh, Wednesday, uh, we had a show, and then where we were taping, that state shut down, Florida shut down, Atlanta shut down. So we taped six weeks worth of TV uh, on Thursday. So that was a long day's work. And then when I was done, now I literally am at home. So for me, like I mentioned, I'm staying as busy as I can and doing as many podcasts, doing as many interviews with other people who want to talk to me. But I really enjoy the Saturday night special, the Facebook live thing, because it's, there's a lot of people that are now looking forward to it as well. Cause everyone's stuck inside, but even like I, I dress up for it and, Jess was like, you know, you've even put cologne on. Why is it in smell vision I'm like, no, this is this is important to me. Like, I feel like I'm I'm performing. Yes. You know? Yes. And, and, you know, that's for us. You know, even when we're getting ready to go on dates or, you know, we, we groom our, we're, you know, we, we're these pack animals and we preen and we groom ourselves in a certain way. And yes, we're doing it for the person who's going to be sitting across from us, but we're also preparing ourselves. We're getting ourselves mentally ready for that, you know, to put ourselves in a good space. And so that's something that helps you feel like you. It's something that helps you feel in control of yourself and knowing what people want to see and having fun with it and just, you know, and sometimes we just have to remind ourselves during this time, you know, who we are and what's going on. It's like, I'm coming live, you know, from my pajamas with you right now. You <laughs> right, know? Like, right, right. Like, and it is not the morning. So, <laughs> so, so doing that and like making sure that we're trying to capture a little bit of ourselves, like, and that would be fun, you know, even thinking about doing something like that and doing a candlelight dinner where you get dressed up in your house and make an effort that you normally, you know, would not do, uh, you know, in the, in the confines of your own spaces and just finding ways to have fun and to feel connected with yourself because that's, that's the biggest piece of the puzzle is that relationship with yourself. If you're feeling good about you, if you're feeling strong and if you're feeling confident and if you're feeling in control and if you're feeling like you, you are managing your emotions well and you're seeking out your support system and using them and allowing yourself to be vulnerable and open and all of that, you're going to be the best you can be for your, for your family. And so, you know, when we try to do things for other people, it's not going to stick. If I try to be, you know, if I try to change my behavior and, you know, say if, um, you know, I, for an example, I don't smoke, um, I never have, but if I was trying to quit smoking, right. And if I say, well, I'm doing it for my kids, it's really hard. The research shows us that it's, that's not going to stick because it's not something that you're internalizing and doing it for yourself. It's for external, um, you know, processes for external value. It's for somebody else. And we have to be able to realize it's not selfish for us to do self-care and to love ourselves and to make ourselves matter we're the best, if we're the best we can be for ourselves, we are going to be so much happier. We're going to be so healthy for our families. We're going to be open. We're not going to be stressed. We're not going to be tense. We're not going to be snapping at each other. Uh, and we're going to be more likely to see when our partner is struggling. And instead of taking it personally, like my husband snaps at me for something, you know, if I know where we're at, if I'm feeling good, I can say, oh my God, I'm so, what, what's going on? It sounds like you're really stressed. And I know you just, instead of me taking it personally, like, oh yeah, you're going to tell me. And then me going back at him about it. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm, if I'm in a good space, I'm more likely to be able to give him grace and say, listen, I, I don't like that you just said that, you know, be, being, uh, you know, have, asserting yourself and saying, hey, it's not okay for you to talk to me like that. 
but I recognize you're not upset with me right now. You know, what's, what else is going on, you know, and being, but if I'm, if I'm also at a level 10, he comes at me, I'm going to go right back at him. And then we're just going to escalate, escalate, escalate. So, you know, being the one to stay calm and to give them what they don't have is, is really important. So you would recommend too, like every once in a while, just dressing up just for ourselves. So we don't get stuck in the rut of, like you mentioned, pajamas and not taking showers or not, you know, combing your hair or whatever it may be. Yes, it's absolutely. And this is, again, this is for us and it's also for the people in our houses and just to, just to do something to get out of the rut because nobody's going to do it for us, right? We can, we can become the sloths that, you know, we were born to be. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and so some of us, it comes a lot more naturally than others. Uh, But yeah, doing things just to, and I think it also breaks up boredom, Chris. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were just, again, we, there's only so many things that we can do. There's only so many recipes on Pinterest, (laughs) you know, like there's only so many. There's only so many crafts. There's only so many, you know, Netflix shows. There's only so many, you know, podcasts. Well, there really are. There's unlimited, all this stuff. But, you know, we can get kind of in that um, sluggish rut. And, it, you know, with our go, go, go lifestyles that we've been living, it's kind of nice. And I, I kind of love that people are just super in super slow-mo and that they're allowing themselves to do that because there's it's a forced choice. So I think this is really good for some people who have put all of this intense pressure on themselves to constantly be busy and to constantly be moving, um, you know, and again, just that, that their identity was from that, the worth and value comes from that. It's like, it's time to look and say, oh, my worth and value is because I'm a lovable person and I'm a good husband or wife and I'm a good parent and I'm a nice friend and I'm a great daughter, you know, things like that, where we have to say, okay, all of this outside stuff does not matter. You know, COVID does not discriminate. It's not like, oh, well, you have a lovely house or, oh, you, you know, you're an apartment. It's, it's, it doesn't matter. We are all equalized during all of this. Yeah. It's funny. I was, I said like, you know, when putting cologne on and kind of dressing up, it reminds me of the the guys in the Titanic who dress up and they play they play their quartet, the string quartet as the ship uh, is sinking. It's like they're going down looking like gentlemen, you know? And that's kind of what exactly. my attitude was, you know, just because I'm cooped up, I still want to have the same attitude and vibe that I would have if I was, you know, doing a show in front of 10,000 people in an arena or whatever it may be. Absolutely. And, you know, because we will return to that, right? And what happens if, uh, what, if you've been sitting in your house eating snacks for five months and then you got to go to a show, that's not going to be pretty. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You know, like that's, not, that's not what the people want from you, Chris. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you, you, we do. We have to do little things that, that keep us keep us primed, um, you know, and I think the, the uh, Titanic example is just so, you know, it's so crushing and it's so beautiful. But you have to look at what what that was for. It's like that altruism. They were trying to provide something beautiful, like their gifts that, you know, maybe they were getting paid for to do it. But right there, they were doing that because they knew that was going to soothe people and it, and it brought them joy, right? And being and dressed so beautifully and all of that, that's who, they, that's who they were, like their integrity and their love of self and their gifts, like all of that, they went, they went down being their true authentic selves. And that's what I think that all of us can benefit from this is like, what is my true authentic self? And I think that, like I said, it's such a beautiful time 
for reflection. Are the things that I was doing in my life, are they really reflecting what my passions are, what my gifts are? Or was I doing a lot of things just to be in the rat race or to compete with, you know, or to, you know, keep up with the Joneses or, you know, am I happy? Am I happy with what I'm doing? Am am I happy with what I've got? Um, and to build on the thing, the things that I've, that are, I do well and that I'm enjoying, do more of it, you know, multiply it. The things that you look and say, wow, I'm, I thought I was loving my work travel, but I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm loving being with my family or, you know, or I, you know, I want to do more of that. I want to do more, you know, getting out there and, and, you know, being away from the office. It's just, it's finding what, what's going to make you happy right now. And there's such a global opportunity to, you know, control, alt, delete, and to allow us to figure out what that is for each of us. I think that, you know, when people say about when things get back to normal, I don't think things will go back to normal as the way that they were before this. It almost seems that there's going to be a new normal with all those things that you just mentioned. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. Just, you know, even when just watching a, you know, a movie or a show when, you know, people walk up to each other and they shake hands, I'm like, oh, that feeling of like, oh my gosh, stop. You know, like you just have this, there's something wrong with that or, you know, that physical touch aspect. Um, I think we will have a new normal. Right. I think that it, I don't know that. Yeah. I don't think that things would, will go back to the way I, I, I don't think that they can, you know, there's certainly going to be people who the moment restrictions are lifted, they're going to be running out and doing all the things and going to Disney. And like, I think there are people, and there are also people I think that are going to find that balance and say, you know what? I didn't need all the things that I thought I needed before this happened. Like our simplified lifestyle. It's like when you move sometimes and you know, you pack up your stuff and then you get to this, you know, next place in this next phase of your life and you look and you're like, I don't even what was I doing with all this stuff? Like there's certainly you call it out and you, you, you sort through what it is that you really want to highlight, you know, what am I going to put on the shelf in my new house? You know, and there's a lot of, a lot of crap in that, in, in that old house that we don't necessarily, we don't want to bring to the new place. And so we have to look at our mental houses. This is an opportunity like to clear out our clutter and to clear out our mental houses and say, mm. what do I want to bring with me for the next phase? Because it, it's like I say, it's a forced reset. We we we're ne- we're not going to be the same. And I mean, I hope and pray that this is, you know, a reset for the better, where we are all a little bit more kind to one another. We're a little bit more relaxed about our circumstances or about, you know, the again placing the premium on busyness and and you know being active and always doing and and succeeding and power and all of that stuff. I mean, we're always going to love that. We're always going to love success. I, I promote that. I think that's fantastic. We want to use our gifts and talents to the best of our ability. But I think sometimes people um, get really, and I, I know they do, work with so many men through the years who have everything you know, it look like they have everything and people are envious of them and they're just, they're, they're miserable. They're not happy because they're not being their true authentic selves. They're doing things for other people. They're doing things for external value. Um, and that, that gets to us. It really does. Mm-hmm. Like when our value system and, you know, our true value and what we want to be doing, if that's not aligned with what we are doing, 
then it creates a ton of uh, just mental strife and a lot of stress when we tell ourselves like, oh, I want to be, you know, I want to be a great dad. I want to be home. But meanwhile, you're, you're working 80 hours a week. You know, that, that, mm-hmm. that cognitive dissonance is what that, what that's called, where you're, you're saying to yourself one thing and your moral code and your value system is aligned one way, yet your behaviors are incongruent with that and, and misaligned. And it causes a ton of stress because we're the ones doing that to ourselves. And then we get angry at ourselves and, you know, it's just, it, it creates a, a snowball effect. It's funny you mentioned the shaking hands thing. And it, whenever you watch movies from the 80s, everybody's constantly smoking and you're like, what were they doing? I, it seems yeah. like that might be the new thing now when we watch movies or whatever, where people are shaking hands and, you know. Oh my locking. God, they're hugging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a great meme, Howie Mandel. He's uh, notorious in Hollywood for never shaking hands and he doesn't like to touch people. There's a great meme of him with his arms out, and it says, "Hey, you think I'm so crazy now?" Exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. And you know, some, this is like this is what people have been living. Some people have been living for this. Like this is their moment. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I never have to shake hands again. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Some people would be thrilled with that. I'm. I'm not. I. I, I like. I climb people like a monkey. I. I want to. I want hugs. I want physical touch. I want. You know. I'm. I'm. Maybe we'll I'm do be- more hugging now, though. It seems hugging would be better than than shaking hands. Yes. Yes. That would work. Last few things um, you mentioned before about your son's driver's test being canceled. There's a lot of things getting canceled for kids. Yeah. Most importantly, graduations. Um, I know my daughters are both very sad because school sports is done for the year, we would assume. And my niece missed her college graduation. What advice would you give people that have to miss these once-in-a-lifetime uh, celebrations that that aren't going to be able to be revisited. I would say adapt, adapt, adapt. Right? We have to do what we can. We can't just um, shut down and go, "Oh man, that's you know that's terrible." And maybe we'll do it at some point. You know, we we will get back to normal, and people will have their big weddings and you know graduations and proms, and so we can look to the future where we can have we can get some you know some some do overs, right? But present we have to do everything that you can virtually you know i uh, i know i have a friend who you know their wedding was canceled and they literally got married yeah. in their front yard uh, on zoom you know and said we'll have wow. <laughs> we'll do everything we'll have everything um in the future but this isn't going to stop us uh we had my daughter's birthday uh was march 22nd and um we had a parade of her friends who were beeping and playing happy birthday songs on their car radios and, and oh, out cool. and out their sunroofs with posters that they had made you know happy birthday riley and so we have to keep celebrating each other we have to keep you know what we can't lose in all of this is our humanity. We have to be creative and we have to keep celebrating the people that we love. We just have to do a little, a little bit differently. You know, um, unfortunately some things, uh, you know, getting canceled, you know, sports, um, sports and dance and and things like that. Um, but I know a couple of kids who do virtual, like they are doing like virtual, like throwing the football to each other and like making videos where it's going around, you know, all of their, their, Mm. their houses and, you know, people are doing um, virtual soccer camps and, and, you know, there's so, there's so many things that I think our teachers are doing such a beautiful job of, you know, maintaining contact with our kids and trying to keep them motivated and excited and, you know, and being honest about everything that's happening. Um, but let's not go into our turtle shells, 
you know, about this and, and get mired in the sadness of it. Let's do everything that we can to, you know, go do things, play games, do virtual game nights, you know, have virtual, you know, I know some people too that, you know, they're, 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 kids are graduating high school this year and going off to college and um, they're still doing like the, all the decorations on the lawn and, you know, the things that we can. So don't stop doing those or wait for them, you know, to get uh, rescheduled. Definitely keep celebrating every single day um, because we have to keep being ourselves and we have to keep showing love and, and attention and affection and intention, you know, for our families and the people that we love. Last question for you. Um, you mentioned earlier about talking to your therapist. I mean, how important is the? How important is having? Obviously, you're a therapist, so you're going to say it's very important. But what are the, <laughs> the benefits to having a therapist or having a, a neutral party that you can talk to, not just about this, sure, uh, about everything. Well, I think that, you know, obviously, um, people who have tried therapy, they, the most, one of the crucial things about it, because I think it gets a bad rap, you know, like, oh, well, I don't need to talk to somebody about my problems or, you know, it's not going to work for me, or they may have, have had experiences in childhood, um, you know, whether it's with a parent's divorce or whether they're having behavioral problems where there's a negative connotation to that. And that's not going to feel good because they weren't in control of it before. So again, sometimes there's some old stuff that goes along with people being reticent to start therapy or to ask, you know, for help in that way. But the great benefit to it is that you have an objective opinion, someone who has got no skin in the game to, to tell you and to, you know, lovingly confront and challenge you on your stuff, um, to give, you know, really good researched information about how to feel better and how to um, be more productive and how to quiet your mind in a way where you can be more present and mindful like we were talking about before and how to quiet um, some of the criticisms that we have for ourselves. So many of us are such great friends and you know we're, we're great siblings and, and, and husbands and wives and yet we talk to ourselves in a way that's that's mean and critical and, and negative and you know, we think everybody else deserves kindness and love, uh, except for us. And so therapy can help confront some of those negative stereotypes that we may have about ourselves where we don't think that we deserve to take that time for ourselves and to, you know, be again, finding that true, authentic, you know, loving self. Um, it starts with doing it for yourself, you know, so that you can be the best person you can for the other people in your life. But Having that objective opinion where somebody's going to support you and just show you that you are worthy just because you are, not because of who you are, what you do, or what you've done for me. There, none of that is, is in place there. So it really provides an opportunity to be honest without judgment. That's another you know, huge part of it is that you know, there's, there's no judgment in, in therapy. You know, we have an oath where it's, it's, you know, obviously it's do no harm, um, but it's unconditional positive regard for our clients. So when somebody is coming into my office, I'm coming in already having nothing but respect and love and, and hope for this person um, and doing the best that I can to help people uh, feel comfortable and confident and building that rapport, you know, and having that really, really helpful and hopeful therapeutic alliance with someone is, is going to help the work. Sometimes people go to a therapist and they don't really 
um, they don't gel with them or they don't feel like it was a good fit. It's, it's just like a, a pair of pants. It's just like, a, you know, a medication. It's mm-hmm. just that you have, you can't be like, Oh, I tried once and that's not it. No, it's there. It's not one size fits all. There's different personalities. You have to find somebody who, you know, has your same sense of humor or, you know, can confront you and, and still where you don't get, you know, where you still understand that they care for you. And, uh, but it's, it's definitely, I would encourage people that if you haven't tried lately, or if you've tried before, or if you have some negative experiences from the past to please try to give it another shot because we can all use as much support, um, and wrap around love and services and resources that we can get right now. Such great advice day. And, uh, you're definitely one of my favorite pairs of pants for sure. <laughs> well, I just, I'm so, I'm so just thrilled to share this time with you and I'm just so appreciative because, I do think that there are a lot of people who wouldn't have access to the type of things that loving yourself and, you know, receiving love and kindness and all this stuff that, you know, I tend to talk about, you know, you're, you're really providing an opportunity where you're being vulnerable and you are helping other people to say, you know what, I can do this. This is okay. Um, this is not going to be some slight to my virility and my manhood, or it's not going to, you know, I think a lot of people are also afraid like it's going to open up some Pandora's box that they can't, you know, they, they're not going to be able to control for. And, you know, you find a great therapist and they're going to just like guide you and, and help you through it. And you're going to hopefully feel a little bit better afterwards, not worse. So, no, it's very important. Like I said, I, I, you've helped me out a lot in many different areas. And um, anybody that has any issues, I think it's very, very smart to go see a therapist, um, you know, because like you said, there are some negative connotations for that. But I'm very proud of the fact that that I've been able to 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 work through a lot of things by talking to somebody um, like yourself. So it's very important, and I strongly suggest anybody with any issues to go and and find someone that you enjoy talking to and and, and spend some time with them. Yeah, and it's you know it's so big on self improvement these days, right? And so. You know, look at it as as you know that. Look at it as how ways to become more uh, aligned with your true self, and to be able to build your relationships, build your communication, have a better relationship with yourself. It's uh, it, it's all self improvement stuff and things that we are doing on a daily basis. But this is about taking time for yourself and saying to yourself that you're worth it, um, and that you deserve to feel better about things, and just put some tools in the toolbox. Exactly. Well, thank you, Day, and hopefully I'll be able to come and see you again face-to-face very soon. Sounds good. I hope so. But stay safe, stay healthy, and tell everybody I said hi. Okay, thank you. 